your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 515 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains and the Ottawa Senators have been swept in their season series against the Arizona Coyotes. Huh? That one stinks to hear, Ross. But it was some big games from some big players. Brady Kachuk with two assists. Josh Norris continues his goal-scoring pace with two more goals. But it just wasn't enough as they couldn't beat the Arizona Coyotes, now losing seven of their last eight matchups against the Yotes. Pillsy will tell you why you must stay goalie-friendly despite the team allowing five goals on 15 shots. We've got all that plus a deep dive into how Pierre Dorian should, not will, but should attack the NHL trade deadline. All that plus the Belleville Senators are back in action tonight. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now let's get into the show. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Tuesday, March 15th. And Pilsy, we are now less than a week away from the trade deadline. And after watching last night's game, I am firmly on the stance of trade as many guys as you can. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just clean house for you, eh? I mean, look, when, when you're losing games like that to the Arizona Coyotes, there's not a lot of guys that can really stand there and say, hey, I deserve to stay here and I've uh, proven that I can. But Pierre Dorian needs to start picking up the phone and start making some things work because there are a lot of contracts that need to get cleared out of here. There's a lot of pieces that aren't a part of this long-term future and there's a lot of work to be done. Let's just put it that way procrastinator Pierre is how I'm going to refer to him from now on because this goes all the way back to trading for or not trading Eric Carlson at the 2018 trade deadline remember there was right down to the wire they thought they had a deal he and Bobby Ryan thought they were going to Vegas but in hindsight thank god that deal didn't happen of course exactly but at the same time man this is just a situation we see it with contracts as well where it lingers it lingers it lingers it lingers Even Batherson wasn't signed until mid-August. And yeah, you can go back and be like, okay, that was a good signing, especially with Batherson, not arguing that. But he needs to be more proactive. Like, how nice was it to have Thomas Shabbat locked up a summer before he needed to be? Need more of that, especially when it comes to these trades, because we know that the Senators have an extremely thin front office as is. He's going to run out of time to move Zach Zanford and Tyler Ennis and on the back end, if you can move Josh Brown Or can you maybe, maybe move Nikita Zaitsev? We'll get into that a little later. We know Victor Mete has permission from his agent to go and look for trade. So they're trying to get freelancers to help out for trade (laughs) deadline, Pilsy. 
Yeah, I mean, and Ross, that just reminds me of, I forget what trade deadline it is, but you know when they show, show the war rooms of each team? They're showing all the war rooms, like big, massive conference rooms. There's like 10 guys. They've all got laptops. They've all got phones. They're all working busy. And then they go over to the Sens war room, and it's Pierre, a closed laptop, and like two other guys just like sitting there. Oh, my God. It's, it's not enough. And it's clear with how the pro scouting has done. Like any of the guys, and we laughed about it yesterday, Ross, the guys that the Senators have brought in, nobody wants to take them off the Sens' hands now. Like nobody is interested in picking up the Sens' scraps. And those scraps are guys that the Senators thought would lead them to unparalleled success. Yeah, when they signed a guy, when they picked up a guy like Adam Goddard even off of waivers, all of a sudden he goes in and gets offensive opportunity, plays on power plays. They've got, you know, Dylan Gambrell is another RFA. Same with Goddett. Those two could go, and I wouldn't even blink. You yeah. got the UFAs up front, Zach Sanford. And he, like Nick Paul, it would be great to re-sign him. I don't even know if I'm hitting $3 million on an offer with him. Like At some point, you just have to call a spade a spade. He's never hit more than 20 points in his career, and I know he brings things defensively. But to me, the reason why you keep him is to stay with that process in the locker room of building a culture and yeah. having guys want to stay. But if he if he wants that much money, then all the best, and and I hope he gets it. I, I think everyone should make as much money as they can. But I don't know, man. At this point, if I'm the GM, I'm seeing a team that's won three of their last twelve games, and that's including Josh Norris back. So remember when we had the excuses? Yeah. No, no number one goalie, no number one defenseman, no number one center, no number one right wing. Well, now half of that is gone because Shabbat and Norris have been playing consistently over the last while and Matt Murray I mean which one are you going to get on any given night so when it comes to excuses I'm worn thin on them and when I see this team continue to lose I would just make a change just to send a message to the locker room and saying this just isn't good enough yeah and that's the thing and man you saw Brady Kachuk's demeanor you saw Josh Norris's demeanor like these are two guys they're doing that- everything they can yeah, as I said in the intro, two good good games from those players, and they still end up losing this game. And they're like, what do we got to do here? Like, we're in our early 20s. We're exceeding expectations personally, individually, and all we do is lose. We're losing every single night. We outshot them miles. We The Corsi numbers are so in the Sens' favor, and they just, they're not able to get the job done up against a team that is trying to lose. The Arizona Coyotes are tanking so goddamn hard right now, and they're making a mockery of the Sens, even this Coyotes' social media account, which is probably an intern because they can't afford to pay guys to do that, is clowning on the Sens. So that is tough. But, yeah, there it is. There it is. The uh, the Sens dropping the bowl of, or the pot of chili all over the carpet. Brutal. But one thing I will say, Ross, and I mentioned this in the postcast, I am I will not hear any of Gustafson's slander because that is a goalie-friendly show, but that is such an unfortunate spot to be put in if you're a goalie. He hasn't played in so long because of Matt Murray's injuries. Um, he's had to come up, and he's just been backing up Anton Forsberg, just hanging out. 
And then the Coyotes don't get a shot for 24 minutes straight. Now, if you're a goalie, you understand what that means. I think people that don't quite understand the position are like, what are you talking about? That makes his job easy. He doesn't have to do anything for 24 minutes. That is so wrong. Because as a goalie, you need to stay loose. You need to stay in the game. I think part of the hardest part is mentally staying in the game. When you're just sitting there leaning up against uh, your post being like, I've had no action. Like, I'm not in my groove. I'm not in my rhythm. And then you're like, oh, okay, here comes a shot. Breakaway goal. Oh, here comes a shot. Two-on-one, absolute snipe. Oh, here's a shot. Nick Schmaltz, the greatest to ever lace him up, uh, is just wide open and deeks around you. Like, there's no chance for him to try to get into this game. So for people that are calling uh, for Gus as a big blame of this, I don't like that at all because it's not fair to him. And we'll get more into the game in a few moments. I want to stick on trade deadline talk because we're almost a week there. And it seems like there's a seller's market starting to appear. As the first domino did fall, Josh Manson, who is fifth on TSN's trade bait board, a right shot defenseman in the final year of his contract, was just moved for essentially two second round picks. One second rounder and a prospect who was drafted two seasons ago in the second round, Drew Hellison a former world junior player going to the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Josh Manson, but at half his salary. So that's Josh Manson at just over $2 million a cap hit. I know that the Sens have a right shot defenseman who makes a similar amount as Josh Manson, although he signed for two years longer. But my question to you is how much would you sweeten the pot to get rid of Nikita Zaitsev now or worst case, I guess, in the summer? I mean, ironically, Ross, we saw a guy who was the perfect kind of example of what a deal can do what, like this can happen in Shingoth's Bear in Arizona, right? The Philadelphia Flyer said, look, he's not working out here, just like Nikita Zaitsev. He's got term left at 4.5. How can we get rid of this contract? And they did that, trading him to Arizona for a second rounder and a seventh rounder attached with him. So they got nothing in return, and they traded Gothisbear, a second round, and a seventh rounder. I would be willing to look at that exact same deal for Nikita Zaitsev. Like, moving Tampa's second round pick with a seventh along with Zaitsev to get rid of the contract, that's something I would look into, but nothing more than that. Because this team, they're, they're not ready to compete right now. So it's not like you're like, if we get rid of Zaitsev, we can clear that cap space and we can bring in someone to replace him and then we're ready for playoffs. They're not at that point quite yet. And I don't have full faith in pro scouting to figure it out that quickly. If anything's going to work for this team, it's through drafting and developing. We've seen it already. Brady, Thomas Shabbat, Drake Batherson, Alex Formanton. I mean, Josh Norris wasn't drafted by the Sens, but he was basically developed by them, right? So all that's how the Senators are going to succeed. So I wouldn't want to put too much of a sweetener on Zaitsev because if you got to eat that money for a bit, you can, but it's that $2 million bonus coming in the summer that the Sens don't take lightly. So the pressure's on here if the Sens do indeed want to trade him, which we're worried they, they don't. They might think that they should keep him. It's a catch-22, and I'm going to explain to you why right after a quick word from our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the official sportsbook of the Locked Odd Podcast Network, and football is over, but basketball, it's March Madness. So get all the latest odds, totals, player performance props on BetOnline.net. You can even bet on fun props like where the next fired coach is going to land. 
Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. And you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's BetOnline.net, where the game starts. All right, Pilsy, it's a catch-22. You see what I did there? Nikita Zaitsev, thank you, thank you. Hold your applause. But what do you do going down the stretch? Because clearly, the Senators are not in playoff contention. But do you keep him? Because you know that he's literally a negative impact player and can help you fall down the standings in a sense to help gain draft position this year? Or are you looking at next season and saying, I want to have as close to what I want on opening night to close out this year, to feel good and know that I'm at least getting looks at some guys going into the off season. Now I spoke yesterday. You can go listen to my full Belleville Sens report from my boots on the ground experience this weekend, but I don't want to see JBD up for the rest of the year. Lassie. Sure. If he's back for and healthy hundred percent, but they can't move Brown and Mete and Zaitsev because then you're looking at calling up too much from Belleville. And we've already discussed and we will preview Belleville's game today too, by saying that they need to have a run down there. That is crucial. So I don't want to call those guys up, but then Zaitsev has those two extra years. So I think moving him, I would, I would prefer if I had a choice to move Brown or Zaitsev, I'd move Zaitsev first and it wouldn't even be a question because, again, it's an expiring contract for Josh Brown. Yeah, that's the thing. You can just let Brown go if you don't get a returning asset or anybody that's interested in inquiring. Just and- scratching the surface. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I'm with you in the sense that I don't want them to trade all three of those guys at the deadline because then you're running short and you got to bring guys up and we want Belleville to have a run. So I, I still think it's so crucial to keep those guys in Belleville and make a playoff run. They're right in the thick of it here. Um, I would say... Yeah, like you said, keep Zaitsev for now. Let him play out the rest of the season. Let it let it continue to sour like it is. And then you try to move him in the offseason, probably if I'm the Sens, before that $2 million bonus is due, right? So that for that case, I'm with you there for sure. And who knows what's going to happen with Josh Brown. I would probably say a similar thing. If you don't get a, a return for him, just let him play out the season. And then Mete... Hopefully his agent can figure something out because you got to trade at least one of those guys, right? Like you got to get some sort of asset in return for one of those three. Oh yeah, Mete's gone. You, yeah. you don't get the agent involved unless you're working away and being like, "All right, I think he might have played his last game in Ottawa." Honestly, yeah, probably. So he'll be eating the press press box popcorn until then. Um, making one point two million dollars is Victor Mete, and he's an RFA after this season. There's a few RFAs yep. here with arbitration rights, and I'm curious your thoughts on Dylan Gambrell because you seem pretty high on keeping him as a part of the team going forward. Whereas for me, they got him for a seventh. If you can get a a fifth back, I think that you take that deal and run. No, I don't like that because what does a fifth round pick do for you? Whereas Dylan Gambrell, he's someone that I can see playing a good fourth line center role. He's a great penalty killer. And I know, Ross, I can tell your brain is already about to tell me his projected points 
He's not a guy you're paying to get points. He's a guy you're paying to kill penalties. He's good in the face-off dot. He's someone that already has NHL experience. Sure, you could replace him with Mark Kastelik pretty soon here, and I'd be okay with that. But the fact that you got him for only a seventh-round pick, he's someone that's an RFA, so you can easily just sign him to another one-year deal that won't be a lot of money with arbitration. And I think he's someone that DJ Smith likes. I just think he's someone that fits this team and he knows his role. So why ship him out for something that isn't a lot of value in a fifth-round pick that's not going to help you for years down the road? Yeah, I think it's more so just opening up a spot. Hey, maybe that brings out a contract for Jake Lucchini. Hey, would that be worthwhile? The superstar down in Belleville, get him a two-way deal. I mean, they play two totally different games, so I don't, I don't oh, know if I would, I would make uh, that comparison there. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying let's lock Dylan Gambrella for the next five years. I'm just saying you're at a at a spot where you didn't pay for much for him. He's not going to cost you much to keep. It's an RFA situation, so he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage. I just think you keep him there, and uh, and then you groom Castlick to replace him eventually. Because also, Ross, you can't have a point where there's six roster spots that just need to be filled. There needs to be internal competition. And I, right. I want Kaslik to feel like he's got to earn that job. Not that I think he might be ready right now, but I want to keep pushing him and keep that competition going. So for me personally, Gambrell is not really a part of the problem and he's someone that can easily be retained. So I just keep him. You know, he's the, I guess ninth, ninth highest paid forward on the Sens, but making over a million bucks, and I think that's where the team. I for me, I don't care if he's making one point two on on the fourth line, but I think the Sens, being as as they are, might look at that and say, mm, we could get somebody for eight hundred and fifty k playing the same role. So I know, and when it does come to points, which I know isn't Dylan Gambrell's game, he's on pace for two goals over an eighty-two game season. He only has that one shorty against Florida from early December, but is a part of one of the better penalty-killing units in the league, so you do have to give him some stick taps there. Final player we'll discuss. I think Zach Sanford is a guy who will have interest, and Andy Strickland, St. Louis insider. and Of course, Sanford with connections to St. Louis, won a cup there, and he says that Sanford will be traded by the deadline. It's good to get some tape out on him, beating the crap out of uh, Jonathan Taves. I'm sure teams will love to see that. Yeah, exactly. Put that along with his uh, tape uh, fighting Robert Bertuzzo in practice, and you got a champion on your hand. We didn't talk about him mixing oh, yes. it up with Artem Zub yesterday. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, Stanley Cup run pending here. Like, that's how it all got started for the St. Louis Blues. Mind you, it started months earlier for them. That was in, like, January. But, hey, yeah, you know what? It started months I- earlier, and they didn't lose to the Coyotes that night. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. But I like the passion. That's one thing. Like, sure, I'm not going to sit here and say Sanford's an amazing player and the Sens need to keep him, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think he's as bad as fans point out. And I think if you put him in a situation and uh, on a team where he wants to be there, because I kind of get the feeling Sanford isn't really too stoked to be in Ottawa right now. So give him a change of environment. Hopefully you can get like a fourth round pick for him or, or something like that. I don't even know what the return value would be. And I think he he can do his duty, do his job as a bottom six guy in a contending team. So I, I, I think there's some merit to him having some value here. And yeah, he's someone that is not a part of this team's uh, long-term future. If they can't find a trade for him, they just let him walk. 
Yeah, we already talked about Anton Forsberg with the injuries. You got to keep him at this point. Yeah, he's staying for sure, 100%. But you can probably get that return for a Zach Sanford. I mean, and especially if the Sens are willing, and I don't know if they are, but to keep a million bucks, getting a guy like Zach Sanford, which is half his salary, getting him for a million bucks is pretty pretty decent uh, value, I think, for a contending team that can play him on a fourth line with maybe a little bit of power play time on the second unit if injuries happen and all that. Okay. Finally, finally, Nick Paul. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. You don't want to sign him for three million or more, but where where do you stand here as we're less than a week away? I feel like it's been a couple of weeks since we got into his situation and what's next for Nick Paul. Yeah, well, if the reports are true that the senders have given their final offer to him, then No, it was that was misinterpreted. Uh it was if like the way that the the Ottawa Sun decided to write it, it it made sense to jump to that conclusion because of who's writing it and <laughs> yeah. the connection with the team. But he said, if he rejects their final offer this week. So uh, to me, that means like the they're going to make made yet. I think an offer has, but maybe not the final one. Okay. But anyways, they're running out of time is what it comes down to. If we want to go with the most not reputable, because it's fair to say that you're reputable if you're getting your organization's word directly from the horse's mouth. But if we're going to go more of an insider route, Darren Dreger says there is ongoing dialogue between the two sides. They are still talking, but they are a ways away from any sort of extension. So that's probably the best insider info that we could pass along to you, the listener. However, I'm not confident anything gets done. Yeah, me neither. Like the the clock is ticking here, and if once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, and if you're if you're Nick Paul, you're not giving in here. You no. you've done everything this organization has asked. You spent Get five paper, years boo-boo. going up and down from Belleville to Ottawa. You finally are breaking into the NHL. You're playing outside your role. He was a first line center for a couple games. Like that was absolutely bonkers to have Nick Paul in that position. And he spent a good chunk of the season as a second line center. Like that's completely out of his role. So if you're Nick Paul and you want to get paid, I don't blame him. But if you're the senators, if something doesn't happen here, you need to start aggressively trying to trade him because he has a lot of trade value. And I don't think that's just the rose colored glasses of Sens fans looking at him. I think teams understand what he can do and if they've got some cap space, they can uh, get him locked up for two or three years to be a bottom six guy for them. I think there's huge value there. So Nick Paul would be a guy that they need to have some sort of deadline in place for when they're not going to negotiate with him contract-wise anymore. And once that deadline hits, aggressively try to find a deal for him. So funny that Darren Dreger just quote tweeted the Ottawa Sunrider. It's so funny saying that uh, Ottawa might be sitting assets later this week. Something more than just Ottawa. And an interesting note, too, is that Claude Giroux plays his 1,000th NHL game, 1,000th game as a Philadelphia Flyer on Thursday night. So could he stay at home with his silver stick and not play in yep. Ottawa on Friday night? I think Probably. that's a pretty realistic uh, play here. And Good on him for hitting a thousand games, man. That, he's such a player. He, I would love for him to be in Ottawa. And again, I have no faith that this organization is going to get much done right now. Um, that being said, the Ottawa Senators did have a game last night. We'll touch on that a little more, although we did get into it in the postcast. You can join us on YouTube in the postcast after each and every Ottawa Senators game. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Send Central and on Instagram, Locked On 
Senators. Pills, you got a word from one of our sponsors, I believe, before we get into the Senators game last night and Belleville's matchup against the Utica Comets. Ross, I got a word from our presenting sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And guys, I might cruise onto the Rock Auto website myself for my road trip to Montreal. Boots on the ground scouting for the game this weekend. I'm fired up. And if you're taking a road trip, you need to check out rockauto.com too. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So, why not do it yourself? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. That's that's the combo right there, time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts? Don't do that. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over two decades. They know what they're doing. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Guys, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. It's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy. So not only is the trade deadline fast approaching and we will be all over it from an Ottawa Senators perspective at Send Central. We're going to do a live show in the evening. I believe 7 p.m. We're going to go live on trade deadline evening and recap all the moves from the day before so if you miss any trade deadline but be sure to get on our youtube channel hit the subscription button and away we go we're also giving away a ton of cards shout out to dylan at fighting stutzla for he's got some unreal ones coming down the pipeline if you're into hockey cards go follow these giveaways we've got so many more to come pilsy he's got this one coming in the next couple weeks he's like buying cards specifically for this this giveaway and he's when he started i think we we're at 50 followers for him on his account we're up to 134 and we've only done three giveaways so far so let's keep that ball rolling let's get at fighting stutzla uh my goal is to get him to a thousand and when you hear these cards he's got pillsy unreal he's got a double signed card spezza and heatley both with Ooh. ottawa that's gonna do well he's got a chris neal autograph card coming up I'm Love scrolling it. up. What else do we have here? I already mentioned he's got the uh, the Jeff Sanderson card. Nice. We're going to yeah. be giving away uh, on Tuesday. Or wait, sorry. They're playing Columbus on Tuesday? Or nope, Thursday? they play Columbus tomorrow, Wednesday. Yes, sorry, Wednesday. Today's <laughs> Tuesday. Thought today was Monday. Good job, Ross. <laughs> good. Uh, we're going to be giving away a Mark Mathot autograph card from his Beautiful. time with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, an old school math card. So we'll see if Matt gets in there for the retweets. We've got uh, Craig Anderson signed card. He's, he's he's locked and loaded is basically what I'm saying. He's even got a Josh Norris signed Belleville sends card. He says, if Norris keeps scoring at this pace, though, he might have to hang on. Yeah, to that, that value's one. going up. And Ross, how about that was a cool history lesson yesterday's card. Brady Kachuk wearing number 27. Yeah, I completely forgot that happened, and that's such a weird thing to have in your pocket and to to show off. Hey, I got a Brady Kachuk number twenty-seven card, so that's one you're going to want to win for sure. Well, why don't we announce the winner? And oh, as I mentioned, Dylan 
is the one who picks the winners. So don't send us mean messages if you didn't win. Don't unfold. Don't don't blame us, okay? And don't blame Dylan either. He's doing what he can, and you just heard it. There are a ton more cards on the ro- on the way. So if you lose this one, just means there's a better percent chance that you're going to win the next one. Unofficial odds, of course. But congratulations to Packenham's own Ryan Hindman, who is the winner there at RB Hindman on Twitter. So congratulations, buddy. You have a Brady Kachuk rookie card wearing number 27 on the way to you. We'll DM you later to get your details. Okay, that is a very fun promotion, and we appreciate Dylan reaching out. It's been great for us, great for the YouTube channel as well. Appreciate everyone subscribing there. The numbers are flourishing as we head in to the stretch run on this, well, let's call it what it is, dead season for the Ottawa Senators in terms of playoffs. And now you're just trying to get out from that mushy middle, right? Yeah. <laughs> right now they're they're in fifth. Pilsy, I want to give it a spin. I've already got it up. Can I give it one spin today? Yeah, sure. Can Ross, I give the, it one spin? The Sens are putting the dead in deadline here. Jesus. All right. So the Ottawa Senators have the fifth best odds for, let's see if I can do this here. Um, this, no, I got to update the browser. I'm going to figure out how to here, Ross. Share. Do, uh, you can no, I'll do share? your spin for you. I'll do your spin for you. I don't All know right. how to screen share, but. Oh, right. no, I can do that part. Come on, man. Let me sim lottery. We'll each do one. Okay. Hey, they did it. First? First. Let's go. Okay, you give your spin. I'm, I'm pulling up uh, a man, screenshot. There tough so act to follow. See. Yeah, one spin. I swear that was here one Here we go. Here spin. we go. Oh, six. What? Oh, so they dropped down one? Yeah. There. Proof. There's the proof right there. Ottawa. Oh, love first. it. Montreal, down two spots. Imagine this is how it works in out. In their town? Yikes. In their barn. I might have to cancel my summer cruise to get to the to the Bell Center. We were but... supposed to go to the draft in Montreal two years ago, Ross. I know. I was supposed to go on this cruise two years ago as well. Fair. But yeah, so um, that's that. But when it comes to... The draft lottery, that right there is why people who want to trade the first round pick this year for a top six winger, maybe a pending RFA, that kind of thing, that's why you don't do it until everything is settled because wouldn't that be egg on their face if they win the lottery after trading away the first pick? Okay, we've been uh, putting around what we saw last night and let's start with the positive because Josh Norris's goal celebration was about as elite as it gets. And you might be sitting there in your car saying, which one? Fair question, as Josh Norris had two goals, his 30, or sorry, his 40th and 41st career goals in his 102nd game. So Josh Norris's second goal is on the power play, and he turns around and gives his best Ilya Kovalchuk impression and just waves at the box and says, hey, Nick Ritchie, you can come out now. I thought that was absolute money from his office. And if you're watching on YouTube, I just pulled up the photo there. He's waving away at Nick Ritchie. And then the camera goes full pan on Nick Ritchie. And that is a guy with not too much between the ears sitting in that moment. Yeah, Nick Ritchie is one of those ultimate, like, 
I mean this in not a mean way, but like dumb face guys. Like, you know, the Eli Manning faces that just him on the sideline. Like Nick Ritchie is that guy. He just looks confused. Yeah, he always looks confused out there. And then Um, in the next period, he tackled someone in the middle. Like he thought he was playing football. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Tough, though, that Norris does a sally like that and they end up losing the game, though. That's not great. Not his fault. Yeah, yeah, his guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's the thing. Like the Sens, Ross, this game was in their hand the entire time. And they score, uh, Connor Brown scores that goal to tie it up. And when the PA announcer is announcing the goal, Arizona scores to take the lead. And that's when the game was over at that point for me because the Sens couldn't hold on to any momentum. And the Coyotes, like we talked about in the postcast, your great title, Ross, credit to you. The Coyotes <laughs> sensed the sense. Like, that's exactly what happened here. Yeah, I mean, they had um, Lawson Kraus scored on Arizona's second shot of the game. Then Arizona went 24 minutes without a shot. They also, I think he had a hat trick by nine shots on goal for the team. Yep. And Lawson Kraus had three goals. After the second period, it was Lawson Kraus three, Josh Norris two. Which I don't think you see very often. Two guys scoring in a three-two game. So yeah, I thought if that you would have given me odds for uh, Josh Norris points more than Lawson Kraus, I would have taken that all day of the week. But wouldn't have turned out great. Yeah, his first career hat trick. When you're looking at Lawson Kraus and and just flying through the goals, like Zaitsev completely commits to the shooter, which is a a big time no no if you're in D school yeah, 101. I don't like as that. A, as an eight year old, you learn hey. Play the middle or take the pass and let the goalie get the shooter. Especially when the guy who has the puck on the right side is a right shot. Phil Kessel's not going to score from there. But instead, he gives him way too much respect and tries to close him off. And it's just literally the easiest feed Phil Kessel will make in his entire career. Because Zaitsev doesn't go down with one knee, doesn't like try to take away the passing lane at all, just allows the pass to go through. So that's the first goal, and you're just like, oh my god, like what the hell are we watching here? Then the second goal, I mean, it's a power play goal against, and it's just a nice, a nice deflection in front, like nothing. Not much that, anything, anyone. Not can much do anybody can do on that. Then Zaitsev's right in front of it, but I mean, again, it's a nice deflection. You got to give credit where it's due. And then we already talked about the Norris goal right in his office. Great play by Brady Kachuk with the broken stick, eh? Right off the face-off, but no worse for wear. He makes the the most of it. And then Stutzla gets it over to Josh Norris, who makes no mistake. And then I think this game really turned. and I mean, turned. They still outshot them like crazy. But when Lawson Krause scores on that breakaway shorthanded near the end of the second period, that's when the team probably went into the intermission being like, what more do we have to do to get the result? Because at that point, the shots on goal were 30 to nine and they were losing by a goal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. And just to give more stick taps to the guys who did well, Josh Norris, how about 11 for 13 in the dot? Good for nice. 85%. So yeah, you can't blame Norris. You can't blame Kachuk on this one. That's for damn sure. No, you certainly can't. Uh, I think that outside of the first goal, a lot of these are just kind of like, all right, you got you got to kind of respect a, a nice breakaway move. And then uh, really, though, and we've probably waited too long to, to talk about this, but 
we did a lot in the postcast. And this game really changed. Like, yeah, Connor Brown gets a great rebound, puts it home, shorts or a far side, but like he had to get the protractor out for that one, Pillsy. Like that was a, a non-angle, especially as a right shot on the right side of the net. Didn't have much room to work with. Gets the goal, but then 16 seconds later, you cannot be giving up these anti-momentum goals, I guess, if you're if you're looking at the team. But for Arizona, bounce back goals like that. Like, that's how they're losing these games. They're not able to step on the, the opposition's throat when they get an opportunity, even though there they just tied it. They weren't even up. So it's just really infuriating when your team's being announced a goal and then all of a sudden you're getting scored on again. Yeah, that was the TSN turning point for me. That's when it was it was done. Yeah, well, it was done. Ottawa out shooting Arizona 43 to 15. 43 to 15. Almost tripled them in shots, and they almost get doubled up. 5-3, although there was the one empty net goal. So Philip Gustafson allowed four goals on 14 shots. And I think we talked about this in the postcast, but I'm I'm curious again, like how would you run the goalies out the rest of the week? So Columbus tomorrow, Philly Friday, at Montreal Saturday. I would run Gus again because you need to get him in action where he's feeling the puck, where he's in even, play. Even after Forsberg played so well last time out against Columbus, a little revenge game for him, former Blue Jacket. Yeah, even after that, yeah. because And Forsberg's going to get his starts. For people that are like, we need to get Forsberg in the net, I don't think you got to worry about that. He's going to yeah. get time. But Gus, you do need to worry about that. I am worried about that. So I just think it would be a crappy thing. Gus hasn't played so long. He gets in a game like this, and that's how the game goes. And then you're like, all right, you're going to be on the bench for another two weeks here. That's not I, fair to the kid. So I would get him in right away. And uh, it's not like Anton Forsberg is short of revenge games. He's got revenge games against <laughs> Chicago, Columbus, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Carolina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's lots of opportunity for that to happen. And then, But then you go to the weekend, and I'm not sure I want Gus playing on the road in Montreal. So playing Gus I think he played games. well there last year. Did he? Okay, I don't. I don't recall uh, well, his no stats fans, against so Montreal. A bit, a bit of a different bell. That's exactly. Yeah, that's a big point there. So I don't know how I would handle the back to back, but obviously Gus gets one start, Forsberg gets one start. I think we know that Mad Sogard's going to get the start in Belleville tonight, yeah. or in Belleville against Utica. Uh, that's a great team they're playing against. What are your expectations for them tonight? Well, yeah, so Utica Comets, guys, that is not Vancouver's AHL team anymore. I always think that. They're the New Jersey Devils affiliate. So they're going up against Alexander Holtz, and he has been on fire for that team. Just pulling up his stats now. 41 points in 36 games. So he's a legit star for them down there. So Mad Sogard is going to have his work cut out for him. The Utica Comets are the number one team in the division by a mile. So the Senators, they're going to need a big game from Mad Sogard, and hopefully they can end up uh, with a better result than they did in the second half of that back-to-back up against the Moose. Yeah, ironically, the Moose are playing against Vancouver's farm team tonight, so they each go in their separate directions. They're the Canucks farm team now in Abbotsford, closer to home for them. Utica, New York, far ways away from British Columbia, but the Utica Comets, real good team, beat Belleville 2 nothing on December 1st and 4-1 on November 15th. And they've, you know, they've handled not only Belleville, but a lot of other teams, but it'll be great for Belleville to be back on home ice. Hopefully 
And my locked on player for doing a kind of an impromptu one with Belleville is Roby Jarventi. Cause I mentioned coach sat him down in the second half of that game and said, Hey, smarten up. Can't be shooting the puck over the glass and trying to, trying to stand up the officials, that sort of thing. So yep. I'm really curious to see how he responds tonight. And then of course you're looking at Igor to bounce back. The whole team needs to bounce back, but your offensive weapons need to lead the charge there. So I'm hoping that we see a big night from Igor and Roby, who are on either side of Chartier, who just signed a standard AHL player contract. So great for him to be off the PTO. Maybe that gets him going a little bit more because he he was one of the best players on Friday in uh, in Manitoba. So I'm really excited to see how this uh, shakes out tonight. And hopefully Mads was able to, to reset because the body language, of course, was frustration after the fifth goal, snaps a stick, and then he was just kind of, in a daze on the bench. And I don't blame him. Like that's a tough game to be a part of really just. And I said this yesterday, like a lot of the goals weren't really on him. Yeah. And then you're just like, ah, oh, what more? It's, it's just super frustrating. Cause what more can he do? And you're getting the same result, but I'm excited to watch that game. I'm going to be sitting down and, and catching that one tonight. And we'll have a full report for you tomorrow. Hell yeah. So yeah, it's going to be a good game for Belleville. Uh, if we're doing locked on players, Ross, yeah, I'll go with Rourke Chartier. Cause Coming off a freshly signed contract, that's got to add a little pep to your step. And hopefully he's the guy that's setting up Roby Jarventi. We will find out tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Puck drop. If you're in the Belleville, Bay of Quinty area, go check it out at CAA Arena. All right. For today, though, we say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to the show and making us your first listen of the day. Plenty of great trade deadline content coming up through the next week everywhere on the Locked On NHL channel. We're on the way of setting a record month. So make some other Locked On show your second listen. But for us, we'll see you tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.